These lads are mental, recognises the Gadigal people of the Aurora Nation as the custodians and traditional owners of Sydney. We pay respect to their ancestors and elders, past and present, and value their continuing connection to lands, living culture, and integral contribution to the bright and inclusive future of this beautiful city that we call home. Welcome to These Lads Are Mental. My name is Gary. And I'm Neil. And our podcast is a lighthearted approach to normalise mental health. On today's show, we've got the amazing Caroline McKenna. Caroline is a expat from Ireland who is living over here in Sydney, Australia. She is a teacher. She also has her own podcast called A County Down Under. And what we really like about Caroline is actually she's driving a lot of action, both at a school level with the kids that she works with, but also through the advocacy with her podcast. She's an amazing person, and I'm sure you're going to really feel inspired after listening to this one. But before we start today's show, please listen to our disclaimer. This show is just a group of opinions and is not to be treated as medical advice. If you are struggling with mental health, please speak to your physician or reach out to a service such as Lifeline. Thank you. So, I mean, Caroline, crack it on with, with really what we want to get you on the show for is to talk about mental health, discuss it. And again, Neil may have mentioned it already, but much of our podcast is a conversation. So we have a sort of general framework we'll go with, but if we start talking about something different, that's what we'll do. Uh, but we do always start the podcast with every guest, just asking them what mental health means to them. So for me, um, it's kind of a long-winded story, but mental health has been at the forefront of uh, my whole life. Um, and I remember when I met Neil, all those years ago when I joined the light bulb um, I spoke about how in my local town there was um, my first interaction with um, even the word suicide. I was 13 and um, a, a girl that I played with on my uh, team at school and um, played Gaelic with, you know, um, took her life, unfortunately. And um, it really shook me because I'd never heard of that before. And I had only at that age ever known of people dying when they're old and um, you don't ever think about young people and especially people choosing to take their life um, and unfortunately after that there was a chain of suicides in my local town it was around the time that Bebo um, and that's taken it way back Bebo was around um, and when someone died in the town they created this like RIP page I don't know if you guys ever had that similar things in your local area but it almost glorified it so mm. when someone went out on a night out and say they were just feeling a certain way or they drank too much they almost remembered like how popular that person became after their death so it created this chain of suicides in my local town and it absolutely shook me and um, and to be honest since the day and hour that that happened it has just been on my mind um to want to always help people and I always think I could have said something or I could have changed something. But for me, um, to cut it short, mental health means to me, um, I discuss it like a kitchen floor. Um, we all have a kitchen floor and every so often our kitchen floor gets dirty and you need to sweep it. So mental health is not a thing where you have it once, you clean the floor and then it's gone. Uh, you need to constantly maintain it and everybody has it in some sort, whether it's extreme or minor and they might not even know that they have it they could just be very um engaged in their work and not know how to relax 
but we all have some form of it and um, we all have to look after it. Nice, I like that little analogy. That's, unbel- that's, <laughs> that's unbelievable. I'm like, damn it, why didn't we come up with that? You can have it. <laughs> no, that's right. We'll just edit that bit out, Neil. We'll, we'll use it for the next episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how do you trademark something, Gary? Let's <laughs> Google that while we go. And obviously, it's a really good point, yeah, because the last one of the last people we had on the show was an Irish comedian, Emma, and she said before the show, like, I don't really struggle with mental health. But when she was on the show, she was expressing how she feels sometimes, which was actually kind of verbalizing <laughs> that you know, some of the things that she does go through are related to mental health. So sometimes people don't, aren't even aware that this is, as you say, it's an everyday thing. And there's a bit of a spectrum of it. You know, obviously there can be severe ends of it and there can be light touches or it can be circumstantial versus, you know, happening to you every single day. But yeah. And then I wanted to ask, so just, you know, when you were 13, like, what was that like? You know, do you think there was a particular social thing that was driving some of those decisions do you think like outside let's say of Bebo or social media and how did you cope in the aftermath of all of that yeah it's really interesting Neil, because um I wouldn't have even known that girl very well I just knew that she was in my school um and unfortunately you know with our hometowns especially in these small country towns a school and a, and a chapel is usually close by so we saw the funeral through the classroom window, like we could see the hearse coming along. I was traumatized by it. I didn't sleep for weeks um, because I just couldn't, I couldn't understand. I was like, Jesus, like this, I've never heard of this before. Um, and even to this day, um, I know it seems, it seems silly, but like the likes of, if you've ever seen the movie, The Star is Born, have you yep. seen that movie? Yeah. And spoiler alert, anyone that's ever seen it, um, please or not seen it don't listen but you know obviously the part where um he takes his life mm-hmm. yeah i i can't watch any scenes like that in movies if i feel like that's coming on i literally like panic a little bit i go mm. like this here I'm like, <gasps> because mm. it just brings me straight back um, um my mom had to sleep with me for a few weeks in in my bed because i just was getting nightmares i was like she's in my room I didn't even really know her very well, but I just couldn't understand how life was over at that age. Um, and it is a very dark and deep topic, but I always feel a sense of guilt um, that I should have done more. I didn't even know her very well, but I was like, what if she had, what if I spoke to her or any of those things? And quite recently, I actually lost a friend to suicide. And it's been a long time since um. I've had that feeling um, and especially someone close, one of my best friends um, that I went to university with, living an amazing life over in Doha and um, teaching over there. And the night of her birthday, just recently had too much to drink. And I was only talking to her a few days before. And it just, it's that overwhelming sense of guilt of, you know, why is there not why why didn't she say to me or should I have picked up on something and what she said um and you know Neil even from what we do like within the light ball like when is when are we going to ever get to that point where this stops happening like and we are so far more advanced than we were when I was 13 years of age and we're definitely getting there in that people are talking and opening up about it but like whenever um I lost her I was like shit we're in 2022 I've literally spent the last few years on my podcast talking about mental health. I organize events all over the world now for people to meet up every Saturday. You know, there's organizations like Darkness Into Light. It's still happening. It's, mm. it's so frustrating because it's like, 
when it rains enough going to be enough and unfortunately you know there's there's only so much you can do but it's I definitely felt a sense even from 13 to now of trauma from it and guilt even every so often I might just be sitting and I didn't even know that girl that that um, very well that, that died but I always think what if she you know went to bed that night cleared her head got up the next day like darkness into light every day is a new day where would she be now would she have kids would she be married it's mm. it's so sad it really is and mm. um, I'm sorry to bring the, <laughs> the topic down no I think I think it's a valuable thing because we've spoken about this before how suicide is like there's mental health which let's say generally like globally is not spoken about as much as we wanted to as you were saying and then suicide is like kind of the the top of the niche within that that topic itself and people are afraid to say suicide so even on the news and media whenever anyone passes away through suicide or they take their own life they don't say that um and if you're working in the industry or you're, you've got experience like i i know what that means so if someone says you know neil passed away yesterday and they don't say anything else that usually means no. that they've taken their own life which I can see a point in that because as you were saying, you don't want to glorify the issue. But having said that, if we don't normalize the fact that like having even suicidal thoughts is a part of life and I've had them before, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean you're, you're going to go all the way through, but until we can speak about it in a normal sense, and there's a very thin line, I think, between normalizing it in a good way and glorifying it, like, as you said already, which is like, a very big gray area but i think yeah like we we put suicide as a topic in a box in the corner don't talk about it and if we do that how on earth is anyone going to actually express that to someone you know they love a partner a friend from the other side of the world it's very difficult you know so i think i think that's definitely something that could help um but oh yeah so we, but we I talk know. about so we talk about normalizing it and i think this is a, this is where it's tricky and Neil and I are working on something in the background about trying to create a pathway, but be interested in your thoughts, Caroline, on, let's just say Australia for now, current pathways that are available for people, not just suicide, but mental health in general, from one end of the spectrum to the, to the far end of the spectrum, say suicide is that far end of the spectrum. What do you think Australia is currently, or what we're doing currently in terms of the pathways currently available do you think we can do more and if you do think we can do more do you think there's some areas that would make a big difference yeah it's very interesting because i am a teacher as well and i definitely think australia is 10 years ahead of where ireland is right now in terms of mental health like i would have no issues having a cup of coffee with a friend and saying i went to see a counselor the other day i am i haven't been feeling like myself and nobody, you know, nobody flinches an eyelid. Um, where at home, I would never, I wouldn't even know where a counsellor was. But within um, school, we actually have a full-time counsellor, which I think is amazing. I remember when I was back at school, there was a counsellor that would come in once a week, maybe once a fortnight, and they would go into this little small cubby hole room. And you just knew that was the counsellor's room, but I have no idea who the counsellor ever was. You wouldn't even dare ask to go and see a counsellor. It was again like what Neil said about it was put to the side and we don't, we don't talk about that. Um, whereas I find it so amazing. We have this full-time counsellor in our school. She's young, she's bright, vibrant because I'm in an all-girls school. She's trendy, fashionable. Um, 
and the girls can schedule to go and see her during um one of our lessons and um, it could be the smallest thing like friendship issues or feeling left out or isolated and they can go and speak to her and it's normalizing this whole idea of seeing a counselor and I love that when they come into class if they're late to class they'll just be like sorry miss I was at the counselor and nobody even turns around like she was at the counselor they're mm. all going to her which I absolutely love my only issue is and this is where again is a fine line of things and um, it's amazing to have these services I mean on every street corner you see wellness shops, you see, um, you know, yoga studios, Reiki, um, even just mental health centers like Headspace and stuff. Um, there is all of these different places and um, Blue Horizon and all within um, such a small area. However, I do think there's a tipping point where, for example, um, we're quick to diagnose over here. Um, like straight away, like within one of, I teach six, seven different classes and I'll look at my class list and there'll be anxiety, um, depression, ADHD, da, 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 all of these things because, um, and I'm lucky that I work in a school that have, the parents have a lot of money within the Eastern suburbs. They can send their kids to counselors um, and psychologists and the psychologists. And you remember growing up as kids and you might've, being a bit worried about an exam or you've lost sleep over it, that's okay. And that's normal and it's healthy to an extent. But a lot of times we're finding that as soon as that small little bit of anxiety comes creeping in over an exam or worry about doing well to get into university, they're being sent to the psychologist and the psychologist is then diagnosing them. And not that there's anything wrong with having that label, but that nearly um, determines their future of, I can't, I've got anxiety or um, and the girls are nearly coming into the exam knowing that they have been diagnosed with this and heightening their anxiety even more before they've even tried or attempted something. Um, so there is a really, really fine line that I find quite frustrating at times um, where it's some people are abusing the system a little bit to get because in um, schools, if you have anxiety um, and your psychologist has, has given you that, um, you get... Uh, more support for exams you get extra time you get this so some people are just like oh, I'm gonna say I have that and then I can do that um and th that's where I find that the fine line but I think in terms of Australia it's amazing like we've come on leaps and bounds I went home for a visit to Ireland quite recently and I still think that we're nowhere near that at all um and I'll give you an example like I have um sunrise social communities all over the world. I started them here in Sydney um, for people that were feeling lonely or isolated because what we do, and you guys know, like when you first come over here, especially that feeling of loneliness, especially when you're in a, an apartment um, at the weekends and you're away from family and there's none of that white noise in the background of your mom emptying the Tesco shopping bag or cooking in the kitchen or on the phone to someone. It can be a very lonely, quiet place in your apartments. So what do we do when we move over here? We spend our weekends in the bar because we don't want to spend our weekends on our own or um, there's the fear of missing out because everybody else is going out to the bars. But we are really um, suffering with our mental health at times. So when lockdown happened and there was no bars, people started realizing, shit, I, I don't know what to do with myself. Um, so I started these Sunrise Socials and anyways, they were 
they're flying now. I've got over 30 all over the world, which is fantastic. But it was interesting in my hometown, the first sunrise social. Now, in my hometown, I, I never saw a sunrise in my life. I wouldn't get up for sunrise. And in the first event, 50 people turned up in my hometown to watch sunrise. Now, that is incredible, right? Because these aren't people that would get up early in the morning. Um, people don't usually rise till about 10 o'clock. So this was fantastic and it was going great. And after three weeks, it was near the end of lockdown and the bars opened back up. And the, the days, the bar opened on the Friday and the next day there was no one turned up for Sunrise Social. And now we get dribs and drabs, maybe 10, 15. I think Australia is definitely advanced in that people have a better balance on things. They know how to look after their mental health better. They're a little bit more inclined to say no to care for themselves. Whereas in Ireland, it's, yeah, fuck it, it's Friday, let's go. Let's go out, let's go on the rip. And it is an extreme rip at home, like when I was at home. Um, the carryouts, we don't do that over here, which is great. So, you know, you go out for social drinks, but you're not doing that binge drinking before you then go out in your night out. And I think we're definitely advanced in that sense. Um, but there is, there's a fine line between abusing the system and um, then the other side of it getting wrecked on a Friday night and thinking I'm not getting up or doing something else with my weekend other than dying. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's, a lot to, there's a lot to unpack there. I think going back to, oh, let's try and dissect what you said to start with. To start with, this, the kids one's a good place to start, I think, because that we had, obviously we've had Nick Brown on who's, the Batia CEO who works with a lot of youth who's phenomenal. So that's a place that me and Neil obviously talk about a lot. That is an interesting one with the kids because you're saying they get often diagnosed. And I think that's part of the pathway that I think does often get ignored where I say everyday mental health things. I mean, I get anxiety a lot, but I know it's not something I need to go and see a psychologist for or I'm diagnosed with something, but I'm fortunate that I work in the health and performance space and I know strategies to deal with that anxiety, whether it be my environment and how I deal with things. But I think that has to be part of the pathway still, of the mental health pathway of, look, this is this side of the spectrum. You're not diagnosed with anything, but if you feel in particular environments or with particular people or with particular events, you get this anxiety, here are some strategies you can use. It doesn't have to be, and people often think, I don't want to meditate, I don't want to do this. It can be as simple as like for me, one of the best strategies I've ever done at reduce anxiety was leave my phone downstairs when I go to my bed. That was the simplest fucking thing I've ever done in my life. And it's because what I found was you wake up in the morning, you check your phone. You, it's not about scrolling through social media and getting bombarded with stuff. It just takes one thing to piss you off mm -hmm. or to get stuck mm -hmm. in your head. And the next thing you're coming downstairs angry. And you're thinking, if no one, if someone had been downstairs waiting on me and thinking, how the fuck can you be angry? You just woke up. That was a fucking dream. What the fuck's happened there? And it's mental to think that is on your head for the next two, three, four hours. And then you think, what the fuck am I even raging about? You're raging at something that's happened in another part of the world, which nobody involved you in. You've went and found that or for whatever reason. And then you've went tonto over it in your head. And that's your head went and anxiety's gone. So for me, just doing that, that's not hard work. That's just me plugging my phone downstairs and doing that. Again, I think there's, a, there's unlimited strategies and not everything works for every person. But I think that there has to be that element of the pathway uh, included. So it's not you've got a mental health issue, you've got anxiety, because there's obviously levels of anxiety as well. So I think those simple strategies have to be uncovered. For kids, 
I think that's probably simpler than it is for adults because the kids don't have a lot of control of what they do. The parents can be in control. They can put padlocks on their stuff on their social media or do whatever it may be. But I think for the for the kids, it's an interesting one because, like you said, people are making choices for them where they're going, you've got anxiety. So the kids then are growing up thinking, shit, it's exam time. Here comes my anxiety. Mm-hmm. When it's normal like you're going to get of course you're going to get not not all stress well, that, is bad stress is that's good what, well that's what i was i was thinking as you guys were both chatting there about that pathway and let's not forget that anxiety depression a lot of these things are natural things that happen in the body and you mm. know i think anxiety is usually fixed around a certain thing so let's say if we were to put that into a pathway to your point caroline maybe there's like you know, a bottom level that you go and see the psychologist who's the expert in that field, but they don't put a label on it initially. It's like, okay, what, how are you feeling? I'm feeling a little bit anxious because there's an exam. So there's like, there's reasoning because there's two different types. There's that circumstantial mental health thing that we all go through. So if someone dies, you grieve. That's totally natural. And you should grieve. If you don't grieve and you hold in your emotions, it's actually bad for you in the long run. So it's making people aware that it's okay to feel like that in this current scenario, especially if there's a reasoning for it. Then you plug in some things like what Gary was saying to help you through that. Okay, if you're feeling a bit anxious, maybe make sure you get a good night's sleep, you know, meditate, do whatever those things. And then if it keeps happening and it's on a regular basis and, you know, those things aren't working, then maybe you can go down the whole, okay, maybe you have something a little bit more systemic. But there's definitely steps before you get into the danger zone, let's just say, call it that, like for use of a better term that can be managed in, a, in an environment and it's isolated. And then, as you were saying earlier on, Caroline, then it doesn't become your go-to thing when, because the next time you feel anxious, which again might be completely uh, logical for a certain thing, you might be getting on a flight, you don't like to f- fly. It's okay to be anxious. But if you start going, oh, my anxiety's at me, you start popping volumes all the time, you know, you're going to end up like, you know, it can just send you down a, a dangerous path. So... Yeah. Yeah, I think I think there's just probably just steps that you can do first before you need to go down the whole diagnosis route for sure. Now, I was also when you were saying Gary there about the Instagram thing or, or social media, for me it always ends up in envy. You know, so even if you take an example, like we've got a podcast, you've got a podcast, Caroline. If you do something where like, you know, you win an award or like, you know, you're in the paper and these are like, fuck, what are we doing? We need to get our shit together. Our podcast is terrible. Why don't we you know, you start going around this merry ground. And then as Gary was saying, you try and go sleep then. Like, how are you going to go get a proper night's sleep when you've just had that little shock, you know, as your head's about to hit the p- pillow, you know? Yeah. It's um, it's interesting about social media and in particular, our school that I'm working in over here, they actually had to ban phones about three years ago because we noticed like we'd go out on playground duty at recess and lunch and there was there wasn't a sound and you're thinking god the kids are well behaved and you'd look around and they're sitting in their circle of friends yeah just staring down at their phone so like they were never allowed to have their phones in the classroom but we actually had to ban phones from school um where if we saw them we would confiscate them um and we always said to them, you know, if something's wrong or you need to call home, we can get you um, we can co- let you call your parents. But also all, all of these kids have Mac laptops for the classroom. So they've got iMessenger um, and uh, 
the, the how the other half live um but yeah we had to ban in my day <laughs> i know um and uh the, the difference it's made because people are now engaging with one another we went on a school camp there um just last week and it's the first time that we've been able to take the kids out to you know be out in the fresh air and you know doing activities together for the last two years because a lot of the time we were teaching through zoom and the, we the kids came back this year and honest to god guys it was terrifying because they weren't the same kids that we left before lockdown because they'd spent so long on their own um like we recluses on their own in, in their house on their laptops and on their phones they came back to school and didn't know how to communicate anymore and um, they didn't know how to interact with one another and within the classroom so last week was the first time in two years that we were able to finally get them out on school camp for three days where they had no phones, where they had to learn like team management skills, how to interact and communicate to solve a problem. And it was brilliant. And they all came back like the, the, the people they were two years ago. But it's it is terrifying how the world is going and with the phones. And I find it myself. And it's interesting you say, Gary, about leaving your phone outside. I am the exact same. Like I had very bad insomnia when I went through my own struggles with mental health over here. Um, and for two years, I couldn't sleep at all. Um, and my family came out and I kind of masked the situation about mental health and said I was fine. It's very easy to say you're fine when um, you can just text your family and say that. And I'm very good at putting on a mask. And that's why I actually really love um, Tyson Fury's book, Behind the Mask, because that's exactly what it is. We can all literally be like, feeling this way and then just be like hiya you know so I was doing that and when my family came over the first thing my dad said was we're getting you an alarm clock and I was like an alarm clock dad it's bloody 2021 what do you, I don't even think you can buy one of those and he went to Kmart and bought a five dollar alarm clock and it has been my savior because you still got it oh yeah I have the same one. I've got a wee black a wee black one my mate yeah me for it <laughs> <laughs> it's so embarrassing like because i'm like when the clocks go back i'm like better change my watch <laughs> you know um it's not automatic but the best thing i ever did because the says. phone goes down an hour before i go to bed i read it's not near me if i wake up in the middle of the night i can't reach for it because it's too far away which is what you would do in the middle of the night um and we have a lot of kids at the minute um who are obsessed with TikTok. TikTok has become the new form of almost gambling. The way that the reels work on TikTok, it's almost like a slot machine. Yeah. Um, and I've been reading the book, How to Break Up With Your Phone, um, because it talks about how these social media platforms are made to be addictive. They're trying to make you sit for hours and watch these things. And we have kids coming into the class um, like zombies. Like you can see the dark rings under their eyes. And it's only been in the last six months that TikTok's really kicked off during that lockdown phase for these kids. Um, and like some of our most high achieving kids, you know, I'd pull them up and say, what's wrong with you? Why are you acting like this? Why are you short tempered? Why are you having a go at me about everything? You know, what's wrong? And they'll say, miss, I was on TikTok till three o'clock this morning. And I'm thinking, oh my God, mm. they, they just, it's an addiction. It's what terrifying. Do, what do you what do you do, Caroline, consider like, so when that something like that happens and you're a teacher, like, like do you have any advice for parents or do you get it hands yeah. on? Like, is that, is that what you would do in that scenario? 
Yeah, we um tell them to follow you. Follow my TikTok. They all do. Um, <laughs> um, I pretend that that's not me. I'm like, no, I don't have a social media kind. I'm a teacher. You're not allowed to do this. Um, but uh, yeah, we actually, it's interesting. One of the first things that we're um, made to do when we join um, our school is we have to take on the mental health first aid course, which is amazing. So your wow. first aid, anaphylactic, um, anaphylactic and um, first aid mental health course are compulsory, which again shows where we are in terms of Australia and Ireland. Um, it has to be done and it's a two day full nine to five course and every three years it's renewed but you have to do it all over again but we're there to spot those signs in the classroom so even though I knew she was ratty and I'm like that's what teenagers are like sometimes they're a bit annoying but I actually spotted the signs before she even said anything and um, because we've been trained to do that which is amazing and reassuring for you guys especially you know having kids um in the next few years and um then wanting to go to school and stuff we are actually trained in that where I raised the flag before she'd said to me, maybe a week before I, I noticed it. Um, so that's the, the most amazing thing. And then we escalate that where she's now had the conversation with me and I can have that conversation with her parents rather than we flag it so that all the teachers know and um, the teacher, you know, keep an eye out. I saw something I wasn't happy with. Um, you know, we're trained to, to look for eating disorders, anxiety, depression, suicide, um, trained to have all those um, conversations you know are you feeling suicidal it, it's an amazing system um, and then whenever she actually did say it to me I was like okay now we can escalate this because you don't want to worry parents and say I think that this yeah. is what's wrong with your child you know um, so we keep an eye on her and make sure that we have enough teachers that have also noticed those signs and that it wasn't just a bad day um, so it's amazing that way. It's, we're very far advanced in the education system. And I know that that's what Brezzy is really fighting for back in Ireland um, to educate all schools and mental health training. So, yeah, it's that, that's amazing. I mean, that's very reassuring that that is going on, because if you think about a parent who's probably at work most of the day, the teacher spends, what, seven, eight hours a day with the kids, you know. So, yeah, that's there's no better people to monitor than, uh, than the teachers. That's probably better than the parents in that sense. You know what I mean? It's but even with a lot, of, even so with a lot of pressure, sorry, sorry, just as I was thinking again for a teacher, like I've got a lot of friends who are teachers. It's fucking mental how much stuff teachers are now are going to be expected to do. Like, yeah. like, like responsibility. That's a lot of responsibility. Yeah. That's a fucking lot, man. You've got, you're basically, you're not fighting a losing battle, but you're fighting an uphill battle. You've got a kid whose potential obstacle is too much social media. And then you're going, right, your phone's away. Now go and sit in that laptop and do work where you can access this stuff anyway. And then you have to re recognize the red flags. And it, fuck, man. And then obviously educate them about the actual curriculum the whole way along that. And then as people, a big job, man. Big job. Yeah, it is. It's it's a different. I've only been graduated now eight years, and see, even just in the last few years, Gary, it's been really, it's been challenging for me because, you know, even though I'm young and feel like I've got all the energy to do this, and I do feel for the older teachers, especially trying to to work with this new generation and new, um, technology and all the rest. It is really, it's full on. Like you know, we have unfortunately in the world that we live in now you know we do a lot of um staff development days and um professional development courses and you know we recently did one with 
um, a lawyer who was teaching us about consent and about rape cases, um, young teenagers um, being brought to court for rape and, and things like this. And finding out that young kids at the age of eight are now like as young as eight are accessing porn. Um, so what they're growing up to believe is how to treat a person, a woman, a man, whatever, is actually mm. just what they've only ever seen online. So there is a lot going on. I mean, you know, even just the likes of police coming to the school because someone sent a picture around like um, yeah. a WhatsApp. It's terrifying. It is really terrifying. And we really worry about this, like the new generation of kids and you do just want to take them all in and you come home in the evenings feeling really deflated. And I, I will never forget one of the first um, conversations that I had with a child who was suicidal and she told me she'd set a date and I had to act professional in that matter. And I just wanted to cry my eyes out because I was so upset that she felt that way, do you know? And I just wanted to hug her and tell her I loved her if no one, if she mm. didn't think anyone else did. But you're trying to keep this professional demeanor. So I had the conversation with her and with the principal. And I came out after that and I just crossed. Like, obviously, I love helping them and, and all the rest. But there's so many more things than just writing on on the board and marking some books. And are you are you guys trying? Sorry, guy. Are you guys trying to cope with that as well? Because it sounds that sounds monumental compared to, let's say, the teachers that we all had. Like I think back to when I was in school, I had this guy called Smokey Joe McConnell, and. Uh, <laughs> and he used to like literally he opened his book and then he'd just go gary read page 44 so gary would go away and just go oh i believe in da, da, da. and everyone would just put their heads in the thing and then one day there was a guy called collie farrell nolan um <laughs> oh triple battle names at your school double battle name yeah <laughs> uh, we used to go well he wasn't Colin Farrell but that was the kind of joke he was like our Colin Farrell and he just literally put his jacket on zipped it up put a school bag on walks out of the room and then the smoky Joe goes where are you going he goes I'm not staying here listening to this shite and walks out of the school and everyone's just like yeah everyone's like oh you legend but when I think about that teacher who obviously did not know he was like even when I was in school, he was the last of his generation. He was probably in the 60s. Like, he didn't he didn't give two fucks about our futures. And like yeah. Fast forward to, like, let's say, what you're doing and what you're saying. Like, I mean, it is amazing that the modern teacher is doing that. But then it must be tough. Like, how do you take that? Well, you probably don't want to take that home, right? Like, how do you cope with all that weight on your shoulders? It's amazing, Neil, in that, again, and why I, I really love being over here um the one of the first things that they told us in our school is that every teacher on top of your sick leave and your school holidays um you have three mental health days a year which i'd never even heard of i think it's class they should do like they should it should be in every business um all over the world where if you're feeling like a little bit flat like that conversation with that that i had with that child the next day i needed a mental health day where i needed to go and work on myself and recharge my batteries so that I could come back and help the next kids. Um, and also um, we have access EAP, um, which is we've 10 free counseling sessions that's paid for by the school. And 
you know, you don't ever need to tell the principal, I need to use this counseling service. They just literally say, here's the number, it's on the staff room. And here's the website. All you have to do is ring up and say, you know, I work at this um, school. They'll see that that's on their system. And the principal will never know who used that. They'll know that someone used it this week, but it's kept confidential so that you're not almost like flagged as, oh, she's she's gone for five sessions, you know, um, yeah. which is amazing. So it's accessible. If you need more than that, if you've had a really tough year, like with COVID, I think they doubled our um, our sessions that you could use. Um, you might never use it. And also it's there for anyone in your family. Um, so like if my boyfriend, for example, was really struggling or missing home, I could ring them up and those he would get 10 sessions alongside mine. So it's a fantastic service. Um, not all businesses do it over here and um, not everyone signed up to it. And it's important to say for any of your listeners that are um, listening that you can then go to your local GP because it is expensive to go to a counsellor um, regardless of how much you need it and how much you know um, your health is your wealth. Like some people can't justify that money. So you can go and get a mental health plan at your local GP and you'll get 10 reduced um, sessions if you're with Medicare. If you're not with Medicare, um, the Irish support agency over here, um, as you know, they have the um, program, thanks to our fundraising at the Lightfall, the Solitel program, where they do six free counseling sessions. And there's loads of organizations like the ones you guys work with, um, Blue Horizon as well. Um, there's so many organizations that will not turn you away. Hmm. That was, um, <clears throat> I was going to ask, is that a lot of the stuff that you've mentioned that your school does is phenomenal um but is that is that available at all schools that you know of is that just at your school that's the difficulty um my school's a private school so it's up to them what they choose um not all schools have it and that's yeah, so frustrating because i often talk about it um on my instagram and say about you know i'm doing my mental health course or um i've been trained to do this business and I'll have people from all over Australia and Ireland everywhere being like, how can I access? This is fantastic. Like, it's almost like, why are we not doing this? Like, this is key. This is as much as important as doing the CPR training that we do every year as compulsory. Mental health is right up there with CPR and um, anaphylactic training and all of those things. But not every school does it, which it just mm. is. Is that, a fund is that a financial thing, though? Why they don't do it? Yeah definitely um it's yeah, it does cost yeah that's that's the thing i mean you're then almost isolating people who don't have the financial means who are probably yeah. going to be prone to mental health obstacles mm -hmm. because of the situation and they're not and we, we've mentioned this a few times in the podcast but we had during covid nick who for the tier said mm -hmm. that the government basically cut their funding during covid so they actually had less funding at a time that was probably the most crucial. So, I mean, that's similar in the aspect that you're, you're actually removing funding or solutions to the people who need it the most or at a time that it's needed most. And it's just bananas. It's, it's upside down. Theme. Um, it's a common theme in every country. And Brezzi is very passionate about that in Ireland. About, I think, something like 3% of the government funding goes towards mental health in Ireland, something really small like that. And um, it's just unbelievable because we all go through it. We all suffer in some sort of a way. And over the last two years, I keep saying it, even if you don't think it, 
we're all going through some sort of PTSD right now. Um, whether it's mm. the smallest thing of being afraid to book a holiday or planning too far in advance or get excited about something because what if, what if this happens? What if COVID comes again? Um, even just like the smallest thing of, and you boys know from living away from home, that fear of um, being so far away from home. Like I've, I've always felt so settled in Australia. And since lockdown now, I feel like, Jesus, I need to go home now because, you know, those two years away from home, I've missed so much. And, you know, my parents are getting older and maybe I shouldn't be here. And we're all going through something right now. And the funding should be out of this world. And I know the premier, the new premier for New South Wales did something on TV about they're putting 10 million into mental health um, funding and budget this year. But I haven't seen it. Nah. Well, well a few, a few, yeah, a few quick things i mean i think as you were saying sometimes everyone needs their mammy or you know their daddy and obviously when you're overseas you don't have that which is like a big struggle i think what you said like you know maybe gary we can think about our because we're building this pathway kind of dock you know and what you said there about maybe every school can have certain building blocks to cover all those things would be great i've i've been in a company before that had the eap and it was literally like absolute like lifesaver as well and um, and then i think going back to the funding and even though all those things your school are doing is great the trouble the if you go from a macro point of view the big trouble is you know as you were saying like we've got all these charities all these things, great things but then suicide is still rising but it's, it reminds you of that kind of king punch issue and then the lockdown laws and here in new south wales like the problem is if society is moving one direction and at a ridiculously fast pace, there's no matter how many solutions we have on this side won't outweigh what's happening. So, you know, the things of like your phone, um, you know, constantly being on 24 seven connectivity, all those things. Like, it's kind of like we need to reduce the stresses around everyday life. You know, those solutions help, but, if you if the core of how we live through the, every single day is going one direction well then it's it's actually hard then to find that solution you know and i was even thinking of like sonny my fella he's six months old and with the phone i don't he's like he has toys he has all these things when he sees the phone it's like a fucking magnet yeah. and he just makes beelines for it and now i'm starting to go geez i need to be more conscious because if i'm you know texting someone like this and he's an eye shot he sees daddy engaging with this little black box and is taking everything of my attention and he's learning through that like it's fucking frightening you know yeah it's mad oh, even like it? young toddlers you see like can work smartphones and they might not even be able to talk yet but these have been designed for easy access and i mean it's it's been an amazing thing that, that technology has advanced like the likes of my social media platform i'm able to like spread the word about mental health same with you guys and um lockdown again was a blessing in terms of the podcast because people stopped to listen whereas we were in such a fast-paced world there's a lot of good and bad that's come over the last few years but it is absolutely terrifying and we just need to manage and adjust and adapt and overcome with every new form of technology that comes and I'm the, the worst for it. Like I, because my phone is my business. And um, I, I, sometimes I see myself spending hours, like where I'll get up in the morning, I'll do my five minutes meditation on Headspace app and I'll go make my coffee and I'll have my, um, make my lunch. But I can feel my body wanting to reach for the phone. Like mm. it's almost pronged in us now where I'm like, oh. and then it, I do it, it nearly every single morning. I annoy myself because 
I'll go to Muay Thai. It starts at 6.15 and about five to six, I have about 20 minutes before the class starts and it's just down the road. I'll be like, right, I'll just look at my phone for a wee second. Next thing I look and I'm now late to my gym class. There's been times where I've just not gone because I'm like, oh, it's too late. I'll be embarrassed to go in or I'm pelting down the road to get it. And I know it's my phone. It is, it hooks you in. And I, it's me that's doing it. I'm the one picking it up. And I'm in my head going, don't pick it up, don't pick it up, because you know what's going to happen. And it still happens. Like, there is something mm. in it that's addictive. Well, you ever, if, if you ever go through it like that, if you ever, when you put it down and you come out of that, like, you're, like, did you ever get that feeling where, like, you're kind of like, whoa, what the, what <laughs> the fuck been? just happened? Yeah. It's uh, mad. There's a cracking podcast I listened to a, a few months ago. I actually sent it on to you, and it was about what we're talking about, uh, about the addiction and it's more about um things that rob us of attention and it's basically saying that the modern dilemma or the modern problem is things that are robbing our attention not just social media but talking about different things but it gave this story of a guy and his nephew and his nephew when he grew up was obsessed with elvis for whatever reason he grew up he dressed up as elvis and all the rest of it sang elvis songs and then they got to like 16 17 i think and the uncle noticed over that 12 to 17 year old, he was always on his phone. And he said he could tell his personality was changing. He's become more reserved. He was never present. So he said, fuck it, I want to take him to Graceland. So he went up to him and said to him at 16, 17, right, I want to take you to Graceland. And he's a wee bit like, can't, he couldn't even really remember that time that he was obsessed with Elvis. But anyway, he convinced him to go. They went to Graceland. He says to him, right, I want to take you to the main flat, but on the one condition that you're not allowed to use your phone. And he's kind of like, Fuck off, like no chance. How am I supposed to do then? He's like, just that's the condition. So it's so he takes his phone and but he can't use it. He said they get to Graceland and they're obviously going around. The, I've never been to Graceland. I don't know if I've you have. I've been. Maybe you know. My dad's an Elvis fan. When did you, oh when, when did you go last? Uh, about 15 years ago. All oh, right, okay. So I'm, it's definitely changed then. So the guy explained it. So when he got there, he'd obviously turn around the place. He said, Free phones for everybody. You all got an iPad. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a it's a digital version Stop. of what's in front of you. He goes, so because I'm I'm taking my, my nephew here oh my around Graceland to get away from technology and connect with his childhood and get that nostalgia. He's spending, he said, everyone, including adults, are walking around Graceland looking at the digital version of the shit that's right ahead of him. You right? also get headphones. So everyone's walking about in silence with headphones going through this digital tour whilst they're there. He goes, and I'm seeing people, because I'm looking up, going, what the fuck? He's going on. So then he said he catches someone's eye and he's like, ready to say it. I'm like, this is fucking mental. But he says the only reason the guy took his headphones off and the thing was to take a selfie of himself oh where he was. Oh my God. And Isn't that he, so sad? And then he, was, he said there was a couple who were pointing to each other. So he said, what happens is if you get to like a crossroads, the, the tour, you can look left or right. This, you can sort of tap ahead and it will show you what's next. And this guy was like, to his missus, oh, look, just to the left is here. But he's shown on an iPad. And he's like, mate, see if you just lift your head up and turn left. It's fucking right in front of you. Just lift, lift your head. And then he says, he turned around and he said his nephew's in the corner yeah. on his phone. And he's like, what the fuck? He said, that, that was at the point where he's like, nah, I need to do something about this. And he's wrote two books about it since then, um, about um, robbing attention and all the rest of it. But I think for him, that was that tipping point of, this is fucked. Like, this is fucked. <laughs> yeah, that reminds me of like, you know, the whole metaverse thing that... Yeah is happening i'm like fuck off metaverse and mark zuckerberg <laughs> you wanker like fuck off like just let us be humans but yeah. it is scary because you think 
nothing any of us like like i don't think we're ever going to change that right it's only going to go one direction there's only going to be more technology more so that is the scary bit is that if it is like what do we do like where's the answer to all that one with the grace caroline over to you (laughs) (laughs) well it's interesting when you said that gary because um my dad will be devastated by that because when you walk around (laughs) Graceland, it's mad but you walked around, but I've seen that happening. Um, we walked around, we had the headphones because um, you'd listen, but you go into all the rooms. But I have been, um, even when I was home in, I was in Belfast there when I was at home and I went to do um, the tour of um, one of the jails, one of the famous jails during the Troubles. And it was mad, like walking around and it was hologram people. Um, so like it was all like, there was no one there like I literally went to pay to go into the museum so excited to go and do something nerdy and like try and do something away from the phone and the girl didn't even lift her head from the reception she was like here you go there's your thing there's your earphones there's your thing and I thought right well it's maybe just like the old things that like going around Alcatraz where you put in the earphones and you walk around and next thing all these holograms started popping up where instead of them having a tour guide the tour guide was a hologram which probably cost them you know, 10 times as much as it would cost for a five-year salary to, to pay the tour guide. And we walked around this um, museum, uh, well, it's the museum now of the jail. And after 10 minutes, I turned around to my friend and that's and I was like, do you want to get out of here? Like, this isn't what an experience is for me anymore. I, I want someone who has been doing this for years, passionate about what they do, you know, talking to me, talking like actually to me and experiencing it. Um, and that's just the way of the world now but it's so sad like that the ipads and all like the digital versions of what's in front of you (laughs) mind blows me absolutely mind blows me Uh, well those weird weird museum guides are the best right they're always like mad quirky and you have these like jokes that they probably said a thousand times but you kind of love you kind of love it but it's it's the same even like that's happening everywhere in in life you go into with covid they brought in the digital menus now so now you go to a restaurant and you have to qr code and you get this fucking app and it just ruins it like the dexterity of like getting a lovely little thing and you know going through it was part of the experience right now even even that's been taken away from us you know like what next it'd be like uh, what's that movie demolition man when you want to have sex you got a bow put on a, a headset and then you have this, like <laughs> virtual you know sex and like fake insemination that is I've se- I've, those, those, that's definitely happening mate i've stuff definitely people are doing that 100 have you watched the um season on netflix called black mirror i probably love that love that did you did you ever see the uh, episode where phones see that's all meant to be like what the the future holds for all of us and so many of those episodes are now starting to take form but that one in particular about the phones was terrifying i've actually shown it to my students what one with um, the phones? to show the way the world is going is that, is that the one with the credits where you get likes and then you start yes. getting oh yeah, 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 yeah and everyone yeah, yeah. right shell you just pretend you're happy all the time so people enjoy yeah. your interaction like that's... And they're sad behind closed doors and frustrated and unhappy but then they're like i pretend you know, they're happy terrifying. But is, that's happening. That's happening in China now, isn't it? You get social yeah. credits. Yeah. For mortgages, petrol. Yep. Fucking bananas, man. Ooh. Well, we're in a little bit of good news, like because uh, you know, just thinking about time. But um, like we have to mention the podcast before <laughs> your podcast before we missed out. 
but as you said like it's been unbelievable the name a county down under like just works so good considering you're from down and <laughs> counties in ireland are a big thing you're from down aren't you how <laughs> i didn't get that wrong yeah um, yeah <laughs> you're the only one who actually got that a lot of people think i'm an accountant when they read it on my instagram they're like oh <laughs> i thought he was an accountant oh yeah an accountant <laughs> who is an accountant who is down that also has a, <laughs> a bit of a ring to it but in, in ireland there's 32 counties and so yeah, but they don't really have a county here. There's counties in, in the UK as well, to an extent. But in Ireland, like your county is like your badge stamp. You know, I'm from Dublin, which is where I'm from. And I suppose, yeah, there's no equivalent in Australia because you would say, oh, you've got New South Wales and things. But in Ireland, we call them provinces. So it's kind of somewhere between a province and a county, I suppose. But yeah, the name is so cool. The fact that, you know, play on words, a county, but down under, <laughs> like. And you're it. from it's, down it's not singled out to anyone like it can be either county down under or a county for everyone like it's a home from home and like you can kind of see in the background of my logo it's got um uh, ireland in the middle of it of yep. australia because it is our home from home but it's not just um you know for people from ireland it's just about being abroad and that home from home and like the same for you gary like it is there's something that's keeping us here and it's it's so like home in so many ways that um and we create families out here so yeah no the podcast is mad like I did a 15 minute episode during lockdown and I remember talking to you Neil even about it at the very beginning um I never thought anything of it I never knew how to use a podcast um funny enough when we talk about technology my students taught me how to uh, use cool. yeah madness um <laughs> And I was like, just wondering, like, I might do some sort of lesson on pretending to do, because I teach religion. And I was like, we might do like a, a Godcast, you know, as one of your projects. But I was just like, <laughs> I was, I didn't want to say, uh, I'm actually trying to start a podcast. Um, and yeah, I did a 15 minute episode and I just was honest about life abroad because like, again, we, we show on social media one side of things. And I know so many people where I'm out for coffee with a friend she's miserable maybe she's broken up with her boyfriend or she's just unhappy in Australia hates her job and um, but then 10 minutes later she'll walk away from me take a photo of Bondi Beach put it on Instagram and say hashtag living my best life we all do it I've done it before where I might mm. be actually in good form and we only portray one side of it and I find it very frustrating um the longer I was out here and the struggles that I went through that no one would ever talk about I used to find try and find podcasts on like I went through um, a big breakup and I think actually when I first met you Neil I was still with my boyfriend at the time we were together nearly six years and um, and we came out here lived together for a few years the lifestyle kind of caught up with him he got caught up in the Peter Pan lifestyle you know and um, but when, when you break up with someone abroad it's not like breaking up with someone at home it's almost like a divorce because you live together um, you know, your furniture, bond, house, all of these things, like mm. you don't have your family to just go home and have a couple of days off one another. So I used to try and find podcasts like about not breakups, but like things that happen abroad, like feeling lonely abroad or trying to make friends abroad. And there was nothing like it. So I just did this 15 minute episode and said, you know, I'm out in Sydney and we don't always show the real side of it. You know, there's breakups, there's depression. There's times you feel really lonely and um, you might be here five or six years and I've had a really good friend and then they've all of a sudden decided to go home 
and you're back to square one again six or seven years in trying to make friends again when you didn't think you'd ever have to and it just blew up um to the point where mm. I didn't want to get out of bed for two weeks because I was like oh god because it's like reading your diary out loud it's like <laughs> Jesus I forgot someone was listening um to the point where I like I looked at my downloads in the first week and like I didn't have any following or anything like that um and within the first week I'd got a thousand downloads which I was like Jesus like I don't even know a thousand people um now we're on to I think just over a million now um there's people from all over the world listening a million yeah (laughs) what the hell who is listening to my shite (laughs) I know and um yeah sorry Kelly how long have you been doing it for the podcast Um, a year and a half ago a year and a half ago yeah um i used to be consistent with it every tuesday and then you know it's hard when you're Mm. teaching full-time and you've got to really you your boys know that when you do a podcast you've got to be fully invested in it you can't do it half hours and you can't be like can't be arsed doing this today you need to be in the right mindset and when you come off the podcast like even the things we're talking about today it is draining like emotionally draining um so um i i only do it every so often now but uh yeah, it's going great. Um, I got a sponsorship with Gym Plus Coffee back in Ireland, um, which is the biggest gym brand in Ireland that have Brian O'Driscoll and stuff. And it's just gone from strength to strength, but it's mental. Like I tried to keep it quiet for a long time in school. Um, and then it got really big that I was like, shit, I better tell my principal because we're not really meant to have social media or yeah. um, Instagram or any of those things. Um, so I told her, she was very supportive. I explained because we've had like my students come to the light pole to perform before and the welcome to country dance and stuff so I explained it was to do with mental health and and all the rest and um yeah it's been great but the kids didn't know for so long which was brilliant because it was a county down under like it wasn't Caroline McKenna and they couldn't find me which was great but then of course as the generations go on and you know um, when you're younger, you want to kind of know stuff about your teacher. You want, we always think, I wonder, does she live alone with 10 cats or does she have a boyfriend <laughs> who would go out with her? You know, all this kind of stuff. But nowadays they have Google. So whenever I got away with it for nearly a year and then the new generation, the new year group, the first years come in and the new thing to do is Google. So they Google teachers' names. Smokey Joe McConnell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably in jail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I, I think that's beautiful that hopefully like, oh, well, I'd be 99% sure they look at that for as a form of inspiration like I know if I was a kid and my teacher I'd be like wow she's cool like look at what she's doing <laughs> you definitely I'm sure they're looking up to you and that's that's where we talk about the normalization of it like you're doing that in a really not, nice way and they can see that and then they, hopefully they resonate with that so yeah, yeah like well I done. do um I make sure to they're like my navigation on anything I ever post anything I ever say even on podcasts I'm like oh god I said shit I shouldn't have said that um but I try and teach them because a a lot of my kids have grown up with the Kardashians these TikTok stars and that's their aspirations in life and so I'm trying to like show them I'm an influencer apparently but let's influence (laughs) you right and I'm like let's influence in a better way an influencer doesn't have to be half naked on Instagram posting an influencer can be someone that influences you to look after yourself a bit better or to be kinder. Mm. Like a couple of weeks ago, um, Nine News shared an article. They asked to, to interview me on um, going home um, and getting stuck at home, whatever. Anyways, um, 
there was a lot of trolls underneath my nine news document or uh, article and it was like people calling me all these names because I had a really it was actually more of the filter I do love a bit of fake tan but I looked really orange and they <laughs> basically they trolled me and I was really upset about it and I wasn't gonna like behind closed doors I was really upset and I thought you know what fuck it I'm gonna actually come online showing people how I'm feeling today to try and teach my students and anyone on Instagram that there's a face and a heart behind what you post. Mm. So um, those types of things, I'm trying to teach them lessons on, you know, like just be a better person. That's oh, good. That's, an, that's well, amazing, Caroline. Yeah, great work. Nice. <laughs> a, I mean, I, feel, I mean, the, the credit to, I'm quite glad that we've done it today. We haven't just went through, like, I'm sure if you Google your name, like you said, you'll find lots about you. So I'm glad we got you on to chat about your thoughts on yeah. a lot of stuff regarding mental health is a good conversation but again you're doing amazing things 30 countries with social sunrise million downloads and the stuff you mentioned at the school with the mental health stuff i wasn't aware of but that's phenomenal positive for the future 100 um but wrapping up can i we do i have a few quick fire questions solid do you want to crack on with them yeah sure um so you have to imagine an invisible clock and uh you've got 30 seconds <laughs> doesn't always work out like that but uh the first one is where do you think the world is out of 10 for mental health awareness i i would say a good strong nine i think we've definitely got the awareness out there um mm -hmm. and a lot of celebrities are talking about it i think especially for men now there's some great role models like tyson fury we definitely have the awareness it's having the awareness and then putting the action into place is what we need to work on yeah, love it. And where's your own mental health out of 10 right now? <laughs> you need a whole episode for this. Um, I'm very open and honest about the struggles with being on social media and being on a platform. It is very difficult. And there's days where I literally want to throw my phone off the balcony because I'm like, I'm trying to spread all this like positivity and bring people together. And that's the only reason I'm on social media. But what I find is a lot of people don't like to see anyone doing even the smallest bit well for themselves. And I wouldn't even say mm -hmm. I'm doing well for myself. Um, I would say five. I'm always on the balance of um, constantly having to maintain that. And like even after this conversation, I'll go and meditate for a little bit um, and try and balance my getting the balance right from social media and real life. So five, I'd say five, half. Well, five. You know what they say? Me and Neil were talking about this earlier. Mental health is like a kitchen floor. So. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> Life is like use a box of chocolates. Use that if you like. It's up to you. You can take that. <laughs> I'm going to have to copyright that when I get off this call. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do it quick. Someone else is going to rob that. Um, and then the final one is if you could recommend one thing that people could do every day to improve their mental health, what would that be? Easy. Get up early. I am. Um, like in the last year I have got up at five o'clock in the morning and I wouldn't have seen before 7am that was early for me the difference it makes in my mentality and if anybody doesn't follow him already um there's a great guy on um Instagram called Scott Thomas who used to be an actor really into the PR scene club scene he stopped drinking last year and he talks about getting up early for his own mental health game changer for me mm. Yeah, that is great. I mean, I, I certainly haven't been drinking that much over the last few years since lockdown, I, you know, an odd beer here or there. But it's it, how lovely is that feeling, especially on a Saturday where you wake up at like, you know, five is that's early. But even if <laughs> even if it's like six and you're not hungover and 
you go have a walk, you have a swim, you have a coffee, you come back home, it's still only 7am and you've got your whole day ahead of you. You feel great, you know? It's a game changer. I say um, all of a sudden I now have a two-day weekend, um, whereas before it was maybe you have a couple hours on a Saturday, go out for a bottomless brunch, and then next thing it's Monday morning and you're in the staff meeting going, how the hell did I get here? <laughs> and I've got no lunch packed. <laughs> well, well, Gary, do you remember like Super Sundays? Like that, like before I left, like, so you'd be hung over from Saturday, go down the pool with all the lads about lunchtime, you get a big carvery, and then there'd be always a game on at three o'clock, you know, Man United or something, and you go on the piss, you go home about seven or eight, you know, half cut, you go to bed early, but you'd still wake up on a Monday morning, like feeling like not totally hungover, but a bit ropey. Yeah. And then you just, you do that for, like the whole EPL season. Basically. They were good Sundays, but I did enjoy those Sundays. <laughs> yeah. Quite a good man. <laughs> yeah, especially with, oh, here's Gary. Oh, hey, 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 And then thinking about the future, like what's what's next for a county down under or Caroline McKenna, if we're allowed to say your name um, publicly. <laughs> um, what's on the agenda for you? So I haven't actually told anyone this before yet. And um, I have a meeting. (laughs) (laughs) I have a meeting at 12 o'clock over it, but I'm actually writing a book. Nice. Um, I am planning on writing a book that will be a fiction book, but it'll be about someone who's moved over to Australia. And it'll be based on my experiences and other people's experiences. And it'll just be like, for example, Rachel's Holiday where Rachel goes over to Australia and goes through all the trials and tribulations of um, what we go through as expats. And hopefully it'll be a comfort for many people who struggle where they can sit on the beach if they're feeling lonely and relate to her. And also, um, I have not announced this either, um, Sunrise Social, is, which is really exciting, is coming to Bali um, in a couple of weeks. Oh. So very excited. I feel like that's exactly the place for Sunrise Social. Um, so I'm really excited about that. That will be the 31st community I have all over the world. So really exciting to try and bring people yeah. together. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Um, and then how do people get in touch with you, Caroline? Let's say like the podcast or what's the best way to cut or, you know, to follow what you're doing? Um, you can find me at a county down under on Instagram. Um, my podcast is on Spotify and Apple. Um, it's county down under too. Or um, if you've got more questions, just email me at, um, I think it's accountydownunder at hotmail.com. So plenty of ways to find me. Um, but if you really don't need to contact me, please don't, because I'm <laughs> I get a lot uh, of or, or you can Google. You can Google yeah. her on the show if you want to know more about Caroline. She's all over the, the internet. And <laughs> um, just find, yeah, I mean, like, is that when people reach out to you, is that tough as well? Because like, you know, if people listen to you, feel inspired by you, but then they want to like tell you their story. Like, is that yeah. hard? Yeah, I do get a lot of that needed where I'll open my messages first thing in the morning. And it's amazing that I'm able to like be relatable and people can feel like they can open up to me. But I always have to say, you know, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a specialist. Mm. I can't be that person for you. But, you know, I'll wake up and there'll be like 10 voice notes from some people crying. Mm. It's hard, like, because you want to help them. And even some people will come to Sunrise Social and I'll only have just met them. And I'm knee deep in a conversation of intense. And I do both parties as well to try and do like a balance and get more guys involved because 
we weren't getting many guys coming to the sunrises i was trying to show you know that my thing is not associated with just women so mm. what better way than to hold boat parties um but people like on the boat party when i'm trying to just have a bit of a drink and you mm. know let loose a little bit and they'll you know i actually met Spit someone there, yeah. yeah that said oh, oh my brother died of suicide and you can't just be like well, lovely to meet you. I'm way here to, <laughs> yeah. to get a double vodka, you know. <laughs> the next thing, the boat was nearly over and I, um, I'd uh, I'd been having a conversation with this girl because I wanted to, to give her my time. So yeah, it can be, mm. you you want to help the world, but you've also, like the, the famous quote, and don't be stealing this one, Gary, because this isn't mine. Um, you've got to, <laughs> you've got to put your own um, oxygen mask on when the plane's going down before anyone else's. So I've had yeah. to learn that balance of, that's from yeah, Qantas, I think. That's from yeah, Qantas. that's Qantas wrote that, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Another Irishman, Alan, Alan, Alan Joyce. Yeah, no, I, I I can resonate that. Like I wrote an article in the Irish Times years ago, so six or seven years ago, about my struggles as well from being over here when I the first few years of Australia. And like I still get messages from people, you know, saying, Hey Neil, I saw your article on the Irish Times. Like and in the beginning, I thought it was great because you're like, oh, yeah, cool. And then, like, I actually met up with some people, had coffees yeah. with them. And so, but then there was one or two that kind of sort of turned into friendships, but then started to get like text messages and, you know, calls like at nine o'clock at night. Aww. And then I was like, hang on a second, this is, this is getting too much. And then, even for me, I'm finding probably more of late. In one sense, if you struggle with mental health and doing advocacy is great but then it can also become triggering. Like, and there's been a few times where I think being in that all the time, hearing about this and even doing this show sometimes can trigger me a bit. I'm like, oh, cause all I'm thinking about and doing is mental health and yeah. I've got my own stuff and yes. sometimes it can boil over. Um, so it's what do you, scary. like, do you have, like, what do you do when that happens? Like, how do you manage that? Yeah, I, I've, I find that nearly literally what you're saying spot on at the very beginning, as soon as I uh, launched my podcast, it was girls messaging me in Sydney that said they felt the exact same. And I was like, oh, let's have a coffee. And then next mm. thing, friendships that were very um, intense, like needed to meet me three or four times. There'd be missed calls in the middle of the night. And I was like, Fuck, I, I can't do this. Um, to be honest, what I've had to do to manage it is I just can't reply to everybody anymore. I just don't have the strength. And the, the beauty about the Instagram page is obviously there's the request um, inbox which is they you don't have to open it and it doesn't have to be seen as read if I've read it or opened it by mistake I'm like right I've got to reply now but I just manage it and I just think I can't do it all um, and with my sunrise socials I actually don't go to many of them anymore Um, I have amazing volunteers um, who run it for me all over the world and in Sydney but I used to go every Saturday because a I love going to sunrise and I loved helping people but it was, it was too much. I was having, I could have been having a bad week or falling out with my boyfriend or whatever. And I just wanted to sit and watch the sunrise and, you know, get that endorphins from the early morning sunrise. And I just had to stop going. So I only go every so often and um, I'll be like, oh, I'm only here for 15 minutes. I've got something on and then head on because, um, you know, you just, and there's a great quote, Gary's writing down again. Um, <laughs> If, if taking care of your mental health means letting someone down, then let them down. And I've had to remember that, you know, sometimes I can't go for that coffee with a friend. I may have had an intense podcast and you don't want to be seen with the mental health card and the mental health hat. Like, oh, she's that mental health one. She's the depressed one. Because I do mm. worry about that too. I'm like, shit, like, is that all I am? Like, 
I'm more mm. than that. It's like you say, Neil, you know, you have a life outside of mental health and it's great mm. that we're able to talk about these things. But once we talk about it, then we leave it in the past on that day. And sometimes I don't um, do podcasts as guests anymore because um, I loved our one because we didn't really go into it and um, my struggles and stuff. And I felt like every time someone asked me on their podcast, I was regurgitating the same. Mm. I was depressed. I needed to go to, like, it's but it's like yeah it's like that thing where if you keep telling yourself the same thing over and over you start to believe it or it yeah. even becomes bigger than what maybe it was you know anyway and like that's what i yeah i found certainly that in the last year and throw covid in on top of that and then i feel like every day i think about mental health in some shape or form which is like i don't want this to take over my life like as you're saying like I have other parts of my life. I want to be able to tap into mental health when and when it's needed. But I find at the moment, it's kind of the other way around where everything is about it. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And it's, yeah, it's sometimes it's, it's overwhelming, you know, to, and I, you know, it's funny because I we had Emma Dorn, Irish comedian, a few shows ago, and she talked about the same thing, but in a comedic sense. So she'd go into a group on a night out and everyone would be like, when's the joke coming yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. <laughs> or like you know if you're a chef or something like that, I was going yes. like do you cook at home and like most chefs hate to cook at home like, yeah it's part yeah. of the job but it's not everything that is who you are as a person mm. yeah so you know you are doing amazing work and Gary and Bo, I are both very privileged that you've been on the show but don't forget to look after yourself and just be, be, be you Oh, you do you, you honey <laughs> <laughs> thank you boys for having me on and I would absolutely love to have you both on because um it's really nice when guys come on and talk about these things because it's just usually a lot of the girls and um yeah let's please organize a podcast in the next few weeks and um, yeah. get you guys on set up we guys yeah for sure and we'll get the we'll get the translator on for gary and his <laughs> glass region asking <laughs> yes definitely glad you didn't speak much gary because yeah he doesn't sound like that in uh, in real life you know when you're <laughs> uh, one point one final thing is a podcast is it big both in australia and in ireland or is it bigger here than ireland or vice versa or it's um on par with each other in australia and um ireland um canada gets a lot um different parts of america it's always where the the irish communities cluster um yeah. hong kong we've got a lot in hong kong and um, wow. yeah it's it's mad I, I don't even know he's listening I'm like what the hell are they listening to but maybe I'm the sleep app that I didn't know about <laughs> yeah you'll you'll come up in some google search now one of the top five uh, apps to fall asleep to calm headspace I can't yeah, yeah apparently, I actually I actually think we'd probably be ahead of you on that I think ours is probably so boring that people probably genuinely do tune in to us to go to sleep <laughs> Not the, okay. not this episode, of course. You know. <laughs> not legend. Thanks, Caroline. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Don't forget to follow us on all the social media channels, including Instagram and Twitter, at These Lands Are Mental. And if you do have a topic or a guest or subject that you want us to talk about, please do get in touch and send in your suggestions. Thanks for joining us on today's show. As mentioned at the beginning you are struggling with mental health please do seek further assistance here's who you can get support from lifeline beyond blue fits here and the black dog institute